Dr. Jennifer Mukija here, your private wellness consultant detective. Thank you for joining me for episode three, the 11th hour. When Horace turned 11, he decided there should be some kind of celebration for my friends, he said, and me. For though I've been the age of eight and nine and six and seven, this is the very first time that I've ever been 11. With that, he set to work and wrote the name of every guest and then 11 sorts of food that elephants like best. He wrote the invitations next and sent them off that day and finally 11 games for everyone to play. Now Horace was a clever lad He planned the day with care, ensuring that his party would be quite a grand affair. But only in the kitchen was his genius unfurled, for elephants are verily the best cooks in the world. He started off with cheesecake full of strawberries and cream, then moved on through the pastries to a chocolate supreme. And though it may be said, perhaps, that Horace made a mess, the feast that he created was fantastic, nothing less. And that's from pages one and two of The Eleventh Hour by Graham Bass. Imagine hosting a party, sending out actual invites, and having your nearest and dearest over for something delicious. It doesn't have to be as daunting as it might seem. In fact, it can be quite a therapeutic endeavour. Start off by gathering two or three immediate family, perhaps, rather than a large group over for a celebration. You can use the excuse of a seasonal or religious celebration such as Easter or Christmas or simply invite people to gather for Sunday lunch. Having actual invites can be wonderful, especially if it's for your birthday or special occasion. Finding some lovely paper from an art supplies store, penning the details yourself and sealing with wax or some ribbon can be a creative and enjoyable afternoon well spent. In fact, putting together an occasion like this can be a hobby in its own right, from creating the invites to sourcing ingredients, supplies and a few simple decorations, the fun can extend out over a week or two. Having a project such as this to focus on is a great way to be creatively and productively absorbed that enables you to use all of your senses. If you practice first with family, you will gain the confidence to extend out further from there. If you break up the event into bite-sized pieces, it will make organisation all the more enjoyable. Most importantly, don't try to cook everything on the day and don't shop for groceries on the same day you prepare as this is a surefire recipe for exhaustion. Make a list of ingredients you need a week or two before and then first source any unusual ingredients from international grocers, Indian shops, Asian stores, French uh, grocers, health food stores or online as needed. 
before stocking up on all the other produce you need a day or two prior. By choosing recipes which can be made ahead of time, you can enjoy the process of cooking and preparing at your own pace. You can play some music and really create a wonderful, relaxing atmosphere while preparing your feast. It's also not a bad idea to have a practice uh, making anything you will be serving so that you are familiar with any recipe quirks well ahead of time. One example of a delectable treat that is a favourite of mine that could be made a day ahead and then just assembled on the day is a recipe by British TV cook and food writer Nigella and it's called the Cappuccino Pavlova. Let me read this recipe for you from her Italian-inspired cookbook entitled Nigelissima. Nigella says in her introduction, I'm inordinately proud of this and am not ashamed to say so. I have long been a pavaholic, but this is my first venture into a fruit-free, though far from fruitless, version. The instant espresso powder do not use instant coffee granules, gives bitter oomph to the sweet marshmallowy meringue. So the ingredients that you'll need are 250 grams of caster sugar, four teaspoons of instant espresso powder. You can source this from Nescafe. And four large egg whites, one pinch of salt, two teaspoons of corn flour, one teaspoon of white wine vinegar, 300 mils of double cream, I use thickened cream in Australia, and one teaspoon of cocoa powder. Preheat the oven to 180 degrees and line a flat oven sheet with baking parchment and using a 23 centimetre cake tin, draw a circle on it. Then, step two is to mix the sugar with the instant espresso powder in a small bowl and set aside. Step three, in a clean, grease-free metal bowl, whisk the egg whites and salt until they are holding soft peaks. Keep whisking while you add the sugar-coffee mixture a tablespoon at a time. Step four, you'll have a firm, ecru-coloured meringue. Fold in the corn flour and vinegar using a grease-free metal spoon. And step five, dollop the meringue mixture inside the drawn circle. Smooth and shape it with a spatula so that it looks rather like the crown of a boater. It must be flat on top. Step six, you pop it in the oven and immediately turn the oven down to 150 degrees C and cook for an hour. Turn off the oven and leave it inside until cool. So just a note, I normally make this in the evening and when I turn the oven off and leave the pavlova in there overnight until the next morning. Then Nigella's step seven, 
Once the base is cool, lift it carefully in its paper and place it top side down on a flat plate and peel off the paper. And step eight, which you can do the next day, whip the double cream until thick but soft and spread delicately over the top of the meringue. With a teaspoon, push the cocoa through a fine sieve or tea strainer to decorate the top cappuccino style. I've made this recipe many times, even when I lived alone, and I'm not ashamed to say I could eat a quarter of this or more at a time. It's not hard to comply with her advice to consume within two days. Creating special moments of sharing food with loved ones and the time spent preparing for this is very therapeutic and nourishing for the soul and could be seen in the context of the benefits gleaned from the gathering around ancestral campfires. In their recent astute novel, A Hunter-Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century, biologists Dr. Heather Haying and Brett Weinstein discussed, the, and I quote, the age of information brings the promise of a collective metaphorical campfire a decentralised thing where people who have never met in real life can be warmed by the presence of other minds, sharing ideas and reflections. But the online world, though it holds promise, does not have the structures that made discussions around the hearth so valuable. An ancestral campfire places everyone's reputation earned over a lifetime front and centre. Around an ancestral campfire, each person would have some basis for elevating or discounting claims and proposals based on the individual's known strengths and deficits and taking the history of the discussion into account. The virtual campfire is, by contrast, a free-for-all. We don't really know one another. Our visible history is often misleading. Many users are anonymous and some participants have a hidden dog in the fight. The list of flaws is immense. Traditional campfires are waning in frequency and virtual campfires often bring new problems. Are there other ways to bring about a campfire renaissance? We need one. Campfires, both metaphorical and literal, are a convergence point for culture and consciousness, where people come together in good faith to learn the old wisdom and to challenge it. So that's again from page 218, chapter 12, Culture and Consciousness, from the book A Hunter-Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century by Dr. Heather Haying and Dr. Brett Weinstein, who host the Dark Horse podcast. Many times the post-meal digestion will naturally result in deeper conversations and lingering over coffee and dessert can promote this. Sharing in traditional games too can bring a group closer and spark joy. Be inspired by Horace in the 11th hour and the variety of games with which he entertained his guests. A sack race, musical chairs, cards, snakes and ladders, cricket, pool, blind man's buff, tennis, hide and seek, chess and number 11, tug of war. 
An article by Martino et al. in the American Journal of Lifestyle Medicine, published in 2017, discusses just these benefits of connection for our well-being. It's titled The Connection Prescription, using the power of social interactions and the deep desire for connectedness to empower health and wellness. And I'm going to read for you the abstract. Social connection is a pillar of lifestyle medicine. Humans are wired to connect and this connection affects our health. From psychological theories to recent research, there is a significant evidence that social support and feeling connected can help people maintain a healthy body mass index, control blood sugars, improve cancer survival, decrease cardiovascular mortality, decrease depressive symptoms, mitigate post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms and improve overall mental health. The opposite of connection, social isolation, has a negative effect on health and can increase depressive symptoms as well as mortality. Counselling patients on increasing social connections, prescribing connection and inquiring about quantity and quality of social interactions at routine visits are ways that lifestyle medicine specialists can use connection to help patients to add not only years to their life but also health and well-being to those years. Incorporating social support and connections is critical for overall health and for healthy habits to be sustainable. It's time to appreciate and utilize connection and social bonds as part of lifestyle counseling. Individuals need connections in their lives, in the workplace and at home. Fostering these connections is critical to health and wellness. Lifestyle medicine is the growing specialty that works to formalise the counselling and prescriptions for healthy habits, including regular exercise, nutritious foods, stress management, smoking cessation and moderate alcohol use. Incorporating social support and connections is critical for overall health and for healthy habits to be sustainable. The social ecological model of change stresses that we exist in communities and these groups have an important impact on individuals and their behaviours. There are decades of research that support the importance of social connection. Moreover, humans have lived in groups for thousands of years. In a meta-analysis by Holt, Lundstad and colleagues at Brigham Young University, they examined 148 articles published on the effects of human interactions on health outcomes and they reported that social connections with friends, family, neighbours or colleagues improves the odds of survival by 50%. High social support and social integration are associated with the lowest relative odds of mortality compared to many other well-accepted risk factors for cardiovascular disease. The review article by Holt Lundstad and colleagues is a powerful demonstration of the evidence base behind social connection and health. Low social interaction was reported to be similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day and to being an alcoholic. 
to be more harmful than not exercising and to be twice as harmful as obesity. In addition, the devastating effects of loneliness and social isolation have been well researched. And so again, that's, uh, I've read the abstract of the paper titled The Connection Prescription, using the power of social interactions and the deep desire for connectedness to empower health and wellness. And that's by Martina et al. And I will place a link in the description. So there we have it, creating opportunities for friends and family to have social interaction is not a matter to be sneezed at. In these modern times, it can often seem time consuming and other matters might try to press ahead in importance. But as we explored today, the benefit to be gleaned from such encounters is absolutely transcendental and far outweighs any time and resource invested. So be like Horace, pick your day, choose your theme, arrange your outfit, gather your supplies and feast with your friends defiantly. Before we close, I'd like to send a thank you to one of our listeners, Catherine View, for her lovely five-star rating and review on iTunes. Thank you, Catherine, for the five-star rating and for taking the time to leave your encouraging remarks. This has been Dr. Jennifer Mukija, your private wellness consultant detective. Thank you for listening.